0: Welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about an actual real-life gaming group that only meets online now. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Robinson, and this week I am so happy to be joined by the pioneer Jennifer Schlickburn. Hello, Jennifer.
1: Hi, Matt. How are you doing this morning?
0: I'm doing well, thank you, and I'm so excited to be here with the most experienced 18XX player in our group by quite a large margin, and we're going to be talking about an 18XX game this week. We are going to be reviewing 18 Chesapeake. And uh that's a game that Jennifer is quite familiar with, right? Uh
1: yeah, I'm I've done a lot of teaches for it off of the Discord in fact. Um, I've got a four person teach coming up next week at some point.
0: You uh, and you taught it to me as well, so I I was there for one of those teaches, and you did a fantastic job with it. Um, And I'm really excited to talk about it. We uh, we rarely talk 18XX on this podcast. We've we've only reviewed one 18XX ever, 1862, and now we are reviewing. Uh, What I think is the best 18xx for our podcast review, since it's a great entry point. Um, So I'm excited to get into that. This is round nine, turn one. That's right. This is the beginning of a brand new round. Usually, we try to get together the whole group for a little Skype at the beginning of a round. But I got to be honest with you, I didn't have time to coordinate that this week with my two kids and a wildly busy full-time job. Uh, It just wasn't in the cards. But... Uh, suffice it to say everyone in the group is doing well, we are all still healthy and here with you. Um, and, uh, you will just be talking to each of us individually throughout the round. Uh, but apologies for anybody who was looking forward to the big group meet. I know we, we actually had a lot of fun last time. It was really nice doing that. Um, our topic today is one that I'm quite excited about as well. We are going to be talking about video games Eurogamers, which was a topic that Jennifer suggested, and I absolutely love it. Uh, Jennifer, tell us where, uh, where this idea came from.
1: Well, you know, as we are, as we entered the pandemic, right, um, I know a lot of people were doing online gaming, but for me, Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia are just, I, I don't know, I don't like playing there. I mean, I, I will, like I, I taught tech to canoe on um, Tabletopia, but it's not my preferred way of playing. And you know, to be honest, I've always turned to video games when I didn't have board game, uh, you know, a board game opponent. So yeah, uh, I'm not into the solo thing because, for me, because video games exist, you know, the solo games take so long to set up, and I still have to learn all the rules. Mm-hmm. And now I don't the one of the biggest joys of board gaming for me is to see the interactions between the people at the table, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I don't get that with the solo uh solo gaming. I mean, I already know about my interactions, right? So mm-hmm. You know, I just um, I just turned to video games, and you know, I was playing one of them, and I was just thinking, you know, this is kind of like a Euro game, and this is probably why I I like that. I've really turned away from the violent AAA games that are out there because sure. just because of you know my love of Euro games and simplicity and and straightforwardness. So,
0: yeah, and I think you and I are the two biggest video game players in the group. I mean, I know Alfred plays games uh, quite a bit, but I don't think anyone else is sort of a, like a big video game. Well no, that's not true. Of course, what am I talking about? Elder is a video game player, of course. But yeah, okay. and <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> yeah, uh, but well, you and I both definitely we love our video games. So I'm, I'm really and and it's something I've noticed as well. I love that you brought it up because I've noticed sort of maybe it's. Me, maybe it's biased because my brain is always thinking about Euro games, but I feel like I've noticed Euro game mechanics beginning to enter into some of my favorite games lately.
1: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. The other thing is, I think we have a preponderance of Mac users. And as I'm going to point out, mm. you know, most of the, the games I'm going to be talking about are not on the Mac.
0: Same. I know. We you you and I are, are PC gamers and uh I love my my PC gaming rig. Um I, I rarely play console other than Switch, which I enjoy, but pretty much if I'm playing a video game, it's gonna be on my PC.
1: Yep. So that that could also, you know, um be why they don't engage as much. That's but amazing. I know that there is a lot of PC people out there, you know, and then I just thought, well, you know, we could like you know, kind of turn them on to some things that aren't totally. A that are done by uh, many of the things I'm talking about. Can be done by indie gamers, perhaps even a single dev. So, you know, they don't get, the, you know, the oh, the marketing campaigns and, oh, yes, it's FIFA 2400 or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> you
0: know, exactly. Exactly. Well, I can't wait to hear your picks. And uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting segment. Now, we can't check in with the whole group this week, but um, I would really like to check in with you. So how have you been, Jennifer? How have you been the last couple of weeks or since we last spoke?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you you know, kind of up and down, I think, um, you know, mood wise, you know, the, the news cycle has kind of hit me a little hard. It's like, what is going on? But, um, you know, we're going to live through it, just like we've lived through everything else. One of the things that I have been doing is I've been listening to Grant, um, which is an audio book, and it's also a book on the life of Ulysses S. Grant, Hmm. and to compare the times that he was in with the times that we're in. And there's a lot of corollary. So that's been kind of cool. I've been really pleased about listening
0: and they they survived their time right unless unless this is an alternate reality that we're in right now
1: yeah exactly exactly you know so it is a great book a friend recommended
0: oh cool i um i love is that who wrote that i feel like that's is that the the person who writes all those great let me see do you remember do you remember the writer of well,
1: it? I I do but my keyboard is mechanical so it's going to come through if I look it up.
0: I believe it is Ron Chernow, is that right? Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah, so he's the he's the guy who wrote Hamilton and I read that and that's beautifully written and obviously became quite an amazing musical. Um oh that's awesome. Okay. Oh and it won oh he won a Pulitzer Prize for for Hamilton, right? Yeah, great. Okay. Now that's top of my list. Got to add that to the uh, pile of books that I'll never get to in COVID.
1: Well, you know, back in the before times when we actually drove around from time to time, right? Yeah. Uh, I listened to them while I'm driving, you know, particularly on a long road. Like, you know, we went to San Diego last week. Sure. And, you know, it's written here to until the audiobook, and it's a great experience. And the other thing that's really good, you know, Bruce is very much of a historian and knows a lot about Grant and about the times. And so the two of us can see, I can stop the audiobook and we can talk about this and I can ask him questions or what about that. So I, I'm really into the audiobook as a shared experience.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I, I remember my wife and I driving to Texas once and listening to a whole audio book on the road and, and really enjoying that. But yeah, I wish I could do that more often. It's rare. I'm in a car for long periods of time and not being forced to listen to the frozen soundtrack for my children.
1: <laughs> it's uh, You're happy to
0: do so. Yes, 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 of course. Exactly. Very happy. Uh, shall we, uh, shall we talk about this week's virtual game night? Sure. Let's do it. Here's the part of the show where I get jealous, as Jennifer tells me, all the wonderful games she's played this week. What have you played this week, Jennifer?
1: Well, I have formed a small micro bubble of people to play with in real life. We play with with masks on. We don't eat or drink at the table. You know, um, we follow the guidelines my internal medicine doctor gave me. And he is also a boy game player. Now, of course, he's not playing, but we've been able to get some Ill- in-real-life sessions. Ah, uh, so yes. jealous. And <laughs> we are, we played First Contact, which was kind of amusing because somehow I could not associate the word metal with the
0: words gold and needle. What is First Contact? It's it, That's a board game I've never heard of.
1: Okay, it is a code nine yeah code nine code names like game, uh, except you use symbols and I, uh, I, I it's more structured and I like it a lot better really? Although, you know when you have such a unique mind as mine right
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it like like because there is there's is code games pictures is it is it the same thing as that basically
1: I have I have not tried that yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is uh, called First Contact. A lot of my friends apparently have played it. And like I said on my posting, what we have here is failure to communicate.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: And then I was playing In Search of Planet X.
0: Oh, uh, that's one I'm excited to hear about. How did you like it?
1: Yeah, well, Bruce and I played. And what's the best part about it? They have like all these different handicaps. So like I got like twelve clues to start, and he got like uh,
0: eight clues, right? Oh, that's nice. And
1: he still beat me into the floor. So next time he's going to get zero clues, and I'm going to get twelve
0: clues. Makes now, sense. Right? Yeah, that, that's a good way to handicap it for sure. I I don't like when I I. So that game is a deduction game, and to yes. me to me when I, I I watched a video review of it, and it just it felt like an like an SAT question as a board game. It's one of those, like, if John is wearing a red shirt and Susan is wearing a white shirt, then John can't, you know.
1: Except that what's cool about it and what makes it better than that is, like, okay, so, for example, you know, periodically during the game, you place down these theories. And no one knows what the theories are until, um, like, four more turns. And then we turn the theories face up. And so even placing a theory in a specific location tells, could tell you something. Mm. And of course, when they get turned over, you know even more. So it has a slight bit, I'm not going to say it's interactive, but I'm going to say that it does have more interaction than just sitting next to each other and doing the same logic
0: puzzle. Right. So it's sort of like a competitive cooperative game in that you're all trying to solve the same puzzle, but but only one person will win if they solve it first. Right, right.
1: right. And if you listen well, and you, because you know the clues that your opponent or opponents are, are looking for. So, hmm, he's surveying four whole planets. Okay, either, I mean, and assuming that, you know, he, he, I shouldn't say he, they are, um they are surveying four planets. Well, instead of just surveying two planets, well maybe they know something here. Right. You know, and so if there's something to be known, what is that? And so, you know, it uh yeah, um I enjoyed it. He really
0: enjoyed it. Mm. Um, it looks beautiful.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I was I was very happy with my investment. It's of course gonna be appealing to a limited audience
0: sure sure yeah
1: but um that's okay you know because um i know most of the time as you've said in the past i like heavy games but there are times when you know we can either have fun with first contact well yes Jennifer, apple and banana are both fruits. Who knew?
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now, I, I'm not a big fan of Ricochet robots, but this sounds like it might be a better version of that for me, and that it's, you know, it, it is sort of a, a brain puzzle, but it seems a little more gamified to me than Ricochet robots. Which oh, yeah, is I can't. Literally change. just people yeah. studying a puzzle together. Yeah, yeah, not my I thing. know
1: Tom loves it, but it's
0: just not. I know. Me. Yeah, I've never, I've never gotten it. Um, it's probably because I'm really bad at it, and it just makes me feel dumb. But either way, it's not enjoyable for me. Um, I know you played a lot of 18 chess this week, as did I. But I'm dying to know because I, I, I heard that you played a game of Bonfire, the new Stefan Feld game. Can you, can you give us uh, your early thoughts on that?
1: Well, I thought I would say that for what games are on the brain.
0: Ah, I love it. That's fine. Let's save that then. Um, I, like Jennifer, played 18 Chesapeake a few times this week. And I also got a game in of Marco Polo 2 on Board Game Arena, which I'm so glad that they put Marco Polo 2 on Board Game Arena because I have been dying to play it. I own it. It sits on my shelf mocking me every day. Um, And I have to say, after one play of it, I love it. And I definitely like it. More than Marco Polo won just on a first play. What do you, what do you think about Marco Polo? Uh, I
1: thought the same thing. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people like the tightness of Marco Polo, but you know, for for, for me and the people that I play with, um, without we, we don't play the same game a lot. So, you know, I feel that that tightness is only relevant when everybody at the table is at a certain experience yeah.
0: level.
1: You know, Absolutely. not not they all have to be at the same experience level, but that tightness is not going to come through if you're a new player versus the experienced players.
0: Yeah, um, and, and yeah. I, totally. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, also, there was a concern on BDG that you never had to travel. There was a ton mm-hmm. of. The- about that but with with Marco Polo 2 it's very clear you have to travel so we can put that discussion to bed right
0: absolutely yeah and to me like the the tightness I can definitely tell this game's a little less tight that's not an issue for me but to me the biggest problem with Marco Polo 1 which by the way is one of my favorite games of all time (laughs) is is that you have to focus on contracts. I, there's just no other way to to, to, to really be competitive. I, I don't think there, you don't have to just focus on contracts, but you can't ignore contracts and be competitive in Marco Polo 1. And you can absolutely ignore contracts in Marco Polo 2. There felt like there was more viable routes to victory here, um, right. which was very exciting to me.
1: Right, although, you know, again, it's just like when we first played Marco Polo, we didn't know it was all contracts, right?
0: <laughs> true and then, yeah
1: you know, we started playing five six seven times and like hmm i think it's about the contracts
0: right, right. yeah you're right maybe we haven't figured out the broken strategy or, or the best strategy yet and there there definitely is a tendency on one play to feel like oh everything is so balanced this is beautiful but yeah you're right <laughs> only time will tell of course but i i thoroughly enjoyed it and can't wait to play it somewhere
1: right and then the other thing to me it's a little more accessible too so
0: yeah, that's right. absolutely. Yeah, simpler teach. Um, yeah, yeah, but either way, I'm I, I it, it will never replace Marco Polo one for me. I still love having that, but um, and especially that has uh the Venice expansion, which I think is fun, although it makes it quite long. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm really glad Marco Polo two exists. Shall we move on to the news?
1: Sure, good
0: evening, Mr. Mr. Knopf South All the and clippers and see. let's go to Brass Club. Well, the first bit of news today is news regarding the Game Brain podcast, because um, I'm happy to announce that we have officially made Dimitri internet famous, which was always my secret victory condition on this podcast. Uh, there is a 18xx podcast called The Train Rush, which I have been listening to for quite a while and have enjoyed for a long time. They dedicated their last episode entirely to discussing an argument Dimitri made on the Game Brain podcast. Uh, If you go to uh, the Train Rush and listen to an episode called The House of Fun, which was the last one, they discuss uh, an episode that we did in which Dimitri made a a multi-pronged argument on what makes a game fun even when you're losing. Um, And they... Uh, analyzed Dimitri's argument from from multiple standpoints and um, had a very respectful yet slightly disagreeing conversation about it. And I, I, a, was flattered that somebody built an entire podcast episode around one of our podcast episodes, but it's also thoroughly entertaining and quite possibly better than the original that that it is based on. Uh, So I recommend that you guys check that out if you want to. It's called The Train Rush. It's their last episode. Um, and uh, and yeah, shout out to uh, the Train Rush hosts for doing that. I thought that was really cool. Um, next, we have a lot of expansion information coming out this week. Most of our news is expansion-based. Uh, the first bit of news here is we have some information on the Wingspan Oceania expansion. Jennifer, do you like Wingspan? Nope. <laughs> Not for you, eh? No. Well, uh, then uh, feel free to tune out for a few moments here. The, the new Wingspan. I,
1: I, I never tune out. I, <laughs> I, I'm always listening.
0: Well, I think this is an expansion that might speak to some people who had issues with Wingspan. Because to me, the, the biggest flaw in Wingspan, which by the way is a game that I, I, I do enjoy and my wife and I play together, and it's one of her favorite games, um, is that um, the egg strategy is pretty strong. Uh, If you just go eggs, uh, you will be competitive. And if you don't go eggs, you won't be. Um, And this Wingspan uh, Oceania expansion is coming with brand new player boards, entirely new replacements for your old player boards that change the rewards that you get whenever you, uh, you put a bird card down on your player board and they have changed the way that eggs will work on the player board. So that seems to be an attempt on their part to uh, address a potential issue that a lot of players seem to have, especially if you look at the player board, the, the, the message boards, it seems a lot of people are a little bored of, of the egg strategy being super strong. Was that one of the things that you didn't enjoy about it, Jennifer? Or something totally different.
1: No, it's just, it just, it was a light game. It just mm-hmm. appealed to me as, as you know, I'm kind of a hit of a, heavy gamer and the game has to be kind of, you know, really different, like first contact or search for planet X for me to engage with it that much. So it was very pretty. Yeah. And if I still had my old meetup, I'd certainly have it because, you know, it's a nice introductory game, sure. but it's just not for me.
0: Yeah. No, nope, I totally get that, and I'm with you on that. But lighter games have to really be exceptional for me to be interested and in. But this one does scratch a good itch for me because it is a game I can play with uh, uh, with with non-gamers alike. And uh, the, the theme, I think, is really draws a lot of people in. Um, the next game that we have an expansion announced for is a game that I know you like because you taught this to me at a convention and you said it was one of your favorite games at the time, Grand Austria Hotel is getting an expansion. Do you still still feel uh, positive about Grand Austria Hotel?
1: What happened with Grand Austria Hotel is that I felt it and Lorenzo were too small. I mean, as far as, you know, well, do you want to play this or do you want to play that? You know, and Grand Austria Hotel... You know, had the, in my opinion, well, I wouldn't say fail flaw, but the flaw of being long as heck with four players.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I remember at the time, you walked over to a table and saw me playing Lorenzo, and said, "Why are you playing that when right. Grand when Grand Austria Hotel exists?" And I said, "Oh, I, I haven't played it." And you said, "You said you would teach it to me," and then later that afternoon, you taught it to me.
1: Right. But you know what? Grand Austria probably is a better game, Ooh. but it's not the better four player game.
0: Right. Yeah. OK. And, I can see that.
1: And, and you know, the, the thing about Grand Austria also, again, we we come back to accessibility. Right. It's mm-hmm. just it makes more sense to people.
0: Right. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I can see thematically how it, it it makes a little more sense. And the theme is more fun. You're, you know, running a hotel and a cafe. And right. um, Lorenzo is definitely my preferred one. But I, I really like Grand Austria. I own them both. And when it comes to, you know, Simone Simone Luciani games, they're definitely at the top of the list for me. So it is getting an expansion. It's called Let's Waltz. They are describing it as a large expansion for the base game that contains five modules uh, little is known yet about these modules, but lookout games, which is the publisher is bringing it to Kickstarter, which is, I, I think they've never done a Kickstarter before as long as, as far as I know, it's coming to Kickstarter on October 22nd. Um, and I imagine they're going to have a lot of fancy bells and whistles for the original. I would be surprised. Um, wouldn't be surprised. They do say they're going to have some really cool upgrades. And really cool upgrades is in quotes. So there well, you go.
1: You know, maybe they'll address the four-player issue. You know, I mean, what happened, you know, I moved from a house of 2,700 square feet to a house of, of 1,800. I lost 900 square feet. I can't do <laughs> everything.
0: Right. Game. No, of course. And that's and a good so thing. It forces you, you to make some choices. And
1: Austria versus Lorenzo. And I just felt that Lorenzo played better with max players.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I quite like Lorenzo with the expansion, too, which brings up to five players. I, I don't feel it adds any time to play with five. And I, I think it's quite good. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm excited for to see what they do on October 22nd to check out that Kickstarter. Uh, the next expansion, uh, Board Game Geek has said that this is a record for the longest time in between the publishing of a game and the releasing of an expansion. The base game to this debuted in 1997, and in 2021, it is getting its very first expansion. Jennifer, do you, ha- do you have a guess at what that might be?
1: Um, I did, uh, when I first read about it, but I,
0: <laughs> you know what it is. So the game is for sale, uh, which is yeah, a, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is a really great filler, a game I've really enjoyed. Very similar to, uh, the Kinesia game, modern art. Is that what it's similar to or no, it's, uh, no. uh, uh, it's the other one. The one that Tom was talking about last week. I forget the economic one, but it's very similar. It's a quick filler game. Um, and it's getting its first expansion ever called For Sale Advisors. Um, very little is known about it right now other than the expansion adds a third phase to the classic game with players starting the game by bidding to hire advisors who will then assist them in the second and third phases of the game. So it sounds like asymmetrical powers here, probably.
1: I don't know. That sounds really strange and it doesn't sound good. But (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, for sale. You know, there's so not there's so few games that just you put them out there, you explain it for five minutes, we play it, we put it back, right?
0: Right. Yeah. No, it is a very fast game. You
1: know, powers just kind of destroys that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Potentially, yeah. Well, it seems like they're also trying to sort of brand For Sale as a whole line of games now, too. Because in 2021, Eagle Griffin Games is going to be releasing For Sale Autorama, which is uh, a game for three to six players in which you can buy and sell vehicles, cars, motorcycles, RVs, and semis over three distinct phases. So, but, and this is a base game of For Sale with a, uh, a new car theme added to it. So, um, it, yeah. it better be better than
1: automobile. Yeah,
0: right. I know with that name. Yeah. So, you know, we haven't heard a lot about for sale in since 1997. And uh, someone decided we needed a whole lot more for sale in the next year. So we're going to be getting it. Um, Moving on in video game board game news. uh, One of the biggest video games of the last 10 years is going to finally have a board game. That video game is The Last of Us, which is the dark and depressing zombie father daughter game. Uh, and now, Simon has picked up The Last of Us uh, IP and is putting out The Last of Us board game, which we know very little about other than that. I imagine it will have a lot of miniatures. Jennifer, I imagine as someone who is not interested in violent and dark video games that you have not played The Last of Us? Nope, have no plans to. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super depressing. My, I, sometimes, on the, on the rare occasion, On the rare occasion, I will show my wife a video game and um, I showed her the first five minutes of Last of Us and she walked out of the room and she said, "Uh, this is super depressing.
1: Right, Uh, right. And, you know, I mean, if people want depressing, just... We, New York Times. Are you
0: okay? <laughs> exactly. Uh, moving on with expansion uh, news. This is our last expansion news, but this is an expansion for a game that I love. And this is a must buy expansion for me because why not? This is the first expansion to Just One. My favorite filler of the last many, many years. Might be my favorite filler of all time. My favorite sort of party game filler. Um, the expansion is called Just One New Bed Grief. I don't know what, what that translates into, um, but it's just more cards. Why not? Just more cards. I've actually played just one enough to the point where there are a handful of cards in there that I know uh, what some of the words are on that card, which is funny. That's how much I've played it. Um, so more cards is uh, is definitely a boon for me. Jennifer, do you like just one?
1: I've never tried it. I, I would be willing to try it because I've heard a lot of good things about it.
0: I think it's... Just a brilliant, beautiful. I think it's a classic, sort of like code names when you first played it, you're like, oh, this is a classic. Like to me, just one is it was even ten times simpler than code names. And I mean, you can teach it in 30 seconds. And I've I've taught it probably to a hundred people now, and I've never found one person who didn't absolutely love it. So it's it seems to be, you know, and, and mostly I play it with with non-gamers and they just it's like their minds are blown when you show them this game. <laughs> Next up is uh, an exciting announcement from Prospero Hall. Prospero Hall is the, you know, Target exclusive board game designer. Well, maybe not exclusive. I think they're in other places too, but they're definitely always in Target. And they like to take movies that we love from the 80s and 90s and turn them into video games. I'm sorry, board games. And they've done that here. We have the Groundhog's Day board game coming out. This is a two to six player design. By Prospero Hall that plays in fifteen to twenty five minutes. Are uh, you sure
1: they they haven't just redone Monopoly?
0: <laughs> I hope it's not Groundhog's Day Monopoly edition. This hopefully is a an entirely new game. But they always seem to take cool Euro mechanics and find a way to make a very accessible, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, big box game for 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 your everyday gamers. Um, this says uh, live the events of Groundhog's day over and over again. As Phil Connors, each day in Groundhog's day, the game, you attempt to play cards quickly and in order without communicating to the other players before time runs out. Does that sound like another game to you, Jennifer? I don't know.
1: I'll try it. Cause I, I really do like Pan Am. That was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. This sounds like the mind to me. I mean, that, when I hear that description, attempting to play cards quickly in order without communicating, I think that's just the mind.
1: I, I gave the mind away to a friend who dearly still loves it.
0: Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of those games that people have arguments about whether or not it's a game. Uh, but it is one of those fun games that you can teach other people who have Who who maybe haven't played a board game in 20 years, and it often blows minds. Um, So, yeah, we don't know when that's coming out. Probably they seem to publish their games really quickly after announcing them. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get Groundhog's Day by the end of the year. Last tiny few bits of news. Root is now uh, the digital game has been on Steam for a little bit, but it is now available on iOS and Android. I haven't tried it on either of those, so I can't speak to the stability there, but I love it on Steam. I think it's fantastic. And lastly, uh, if you like to play board games on Board Game Arena, a handful of great games were added this week to Kenyu, uh, to Want and Sue You, and The Crew are all now available in beta on BGA. So go and get your games in on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I want to play TY to see you on um, Board Game uh, Arena. Maybe I'll hit the pod up and see if I can get a game going.
0: I would love a game. You've played it, right?
1: A ton. <laughs> mm. well,
0: well, I would you know, if you if you're willing to teach it. I'd love to teach.
1: Sure. Um. You know, Candace was kind enough to invite me to a demo for right. it. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and then the developer was kind enough to give me a link to the uh, Tabletopia implementation.
0: Right. So, right. And I remember in the beginning you said that you 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 preferred to want to see you to to ken you, but I feel like your opinion on token you has only gotten better over time where Where do you yeah. stand on it now?
1: Yeah, because what happened you know I felt the decrees were were unbalanced, yeah. and so you know I gave um the worst what I thought were the worst decrees to the Mikey of board games Bruce mm-hmm. right <laughs> and he was able to win with all of them. Oh, okay. It's not unbalanced.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: game, but that's okay.
0: All right. So so but you but you maybe feel that they're both great games now?
1: Um, you know, I I would love to play the other game um um many more times as much as I've played to to you. Right. Because it just, you know, I've been playing the other game with only two people. And that may not be its best presentation.
0: Mm. All right. Well, let's see. Let's try to get a three or four player game of that in this week. I'd really like
1: yeah, that. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Let's move on to Games on the Brain. Games, the brain. The games games Jennifer, tell us about the Games on Your Brain.
1: Well, one thing I'd like to to do a little shout out to my buddies at somethingawful.com. Um, you may remember that I did a representation thread regarding uh, Alma Mater mm-hmm. and the lack of representation. And if you look at that thread, particularly the first page, there's like four um, posts left. All of those right. posts came from my my friends at Something Awful which really meant a lot to me the ones that weren't moderated the ones that were positive supportive so um, it's my favorite place to discuss board games
0: that's so. great I, I I didn't know that something awful was had much to do with board games I, I know I remember them from comedy and stuff like that but I, I didn't know that they were super into board games
1: yeah I mean it's not the you know the most Popular places. It's certainly no Reddit or BGG, but the people there are very thoughtful, and uh, the site itself is heavily moderated, so you get a great signal to noise ratio, as we used to say.
0: Yes, sure, and, sure.
1: Um, I've been there for several years now, and I I'm I'm not leaving.
0: <laughs> well, great. I'm going to add it to my uh, my bookmarks and and check it out.
1: Yeah. Oh, it does cost ten dollars to post on something awful. Just one time. And they do it so they don't have to worry about spammers.
0: Oh, wow. Really? Okay.
1: And also, they don't have to have a bunch of ads.
0: Right. How interesting. Okay. Who knew? All right. Well, what else is on your brain?
1: Well, you know, you were speaking of of, uh, Bonfire. And so uh, a friend and I tried to to play it on Tabletopia because she has a premium tabletopia so
0: yeah I mean, and that is all uh, that is available on there pardon yeah and i was just saying that that is now available on there i noticed that
1: yeah yeah so you know we kind of booted it up but the i mean there's just you know it's like you know what can i say it's, it's classic Feld. there's it reminds me off the top of borobor
0: oh i love borobor okay
1: yeah, I haven't played all you know, I haven't played it all because we got through about a third of it and then we realized that we just didn't understand enough of the game. Right. Um but um we're gonna play again on Tuesday and then my copy is coming on Tuesday as well from uh Philbert. And right. yeah, I understand they didn't want me to buy it from Filbert, but um, you know, it's a free market.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, the, the designer requested people not to buy it from Filbert, but um, because uh, saying that the American version is coming quite soon as well. But, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean. Get your I, games you get your games. Yeah, right. So um, at any rate, oh, um, that is what's been on, on my brain quite a bit. And then the video games that we're going to talk about, some of them have also been. On my my brain, although one of them it is not one we're going to talk about because it's not a Euro style. I mean, it's not a board game Euro style game. But been right. playing a game called Autonauts. and it's basically mm, yeah, simply programming bots to do all the work.
0: <laughs> right,
1: it's it, the work keeps expanding and expanding, and so you know it's kind of grindy, but it's all. <laughs>
0: Grindy is never a bad thing for me. I I like a good grindy game. Right. Um, Games on my brain this week. Obviously, 18xx a lot. Uh, Thinking about uh, Chesapeake a lot, playing it a lot, watching videos about it a lot, just trying to fully immerse my brain in Chesapeake for this review. And then outside of that, I got my shipping notice for the Too Many Bones Trove Chest, which should be coming on Monday. And I've never been more excited for a box to show up at my house, but that's all <laughs> it is. It's just a big box. But it actually, if, if, if you're a board gamer and a board game collector like me, you know that the easier it is to set up a game, the more likely you are to play it and the more you will enjoy it. And I already enjoy Too Many Bones, but there is, it takes up, like two shelves right now with the amount of stuff I have for it. And so I'm excited for it to just take up one now and be quite easy. I mean, when I play it now, I have to bring out all the boxes and I have to find, okay, the cards are in this box and the characters are in this one. Um, And it it actually is kind of annoying. Maybe
1: you have too much. I
0: don't, Sorry, I can't understand what you're saying. That makes no sense to me. Um, we're not speaking the same language here. There is no. The game's already called Too Many Bones, Jennifer. You, you have too many the minute you buy one product. Uh, <laughs> I,
1: for the record, I, it's my only co-op. And right. I really love the game. I love it much more than Gloomhaven or Jaws or whatever. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's a it's a great exp- co-op experience.
0: I'm with you. Yeah, it, it is. It is my favorite as well. Um, and I'm sure we'll uh, I'm going to try to throw a review of it in at some point in this round if I can. Um, last on my brain is uh, a video game that's taken off this week um, called Among Us, which I think is funny because it's basically just a trader mechanic board game as a video game. And it, it's funny to watch the video game world. Find out about a board game mechanic that we've been playing with for, you know, a decade and everyone's freaking out about it as if somebody invented the wheel. But uh, that's just Battlestar Galactica, you know, with little mini games in it. Have you have you seen or heard of Among Us?
1: Uh, yes, I've heard of it. It didn't seem like a game that would appeal to me because, you know, BSG no. didn't appeal to me either
0: right it's i mean it's bsg if you play if, if you could play it in about six minutes and you know it, it's a free ios thing you can download or if you want it on steam it costs five bucks um but yeah it, it didn't do much for me but I, I did think it was interesting that um it's just it's just a trader mechanic it's it's avalon you I, literally the game pauses and you vote on who you think the trader is and uh, that person's then kicked out and you know it's just it's avalon the video game um we All gotta right.
1: do that. Okay. We gotta come up with some other video games. I mean board game stuff and then create this new this brand new mechanic for video exactly.
0: games. Exactly. I know. I wait 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 till the video gamers find out about worker placement. It's gonna blow their minds. I know, <laughs> Uh update on the eight x eight challenge. I believe eighteen XXs are on our eight x eight challenge. Uh we personally can check off two on that box this week. We played it twice together. Yes. So that's a big win. Add to to the eighteen XX column for the eight x eight. Shall we move into our review, Jennifer? Sure. Our review this week is a oh geez, I have to actually look up and see what year. I think it was a twenty nineteen release, if I'm correct here. Let's check it. No, no twenty twenty no, release.
1: Um, I don't. I okay. If just a moment, but I think it's a. Tr- 2020 release, for yeah. the 2019 Kickstarter, but I could be wrong, you know. Now, I mean? BGG
0: says 2020, yeah, yeah, that's right. But people were playing it, I, I remember hearing about it, you know, a couple of years ago in playtesting and stuff. So, uh, 2020 release 18 Chesapeake, uh, plays two to six players with a playing time of about 180 minutes, which is actually. Yeah, maybe an hour short. It's more like a, I think it's a four hour game, but it's not an eight hour game. Players, other I,
1: at, I would say it's more like 45 minutes to an hour a player.
0: That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, it has a BGG weight of 3.85. Which sure. You know, sure. I mean, it depends if, if you're very familiar with 18xx and it has a weight of zero for you because it's very simple. Uh, designed by Scott Peterson, who is the uh, owner and founder of All Aboard Games, which is also the publisher. And Scott has done a wonderful job of um, bringing 18xx's to the masses lately uh, through his successful Kickstarters. He recently did a Kickstarter of 1822 as well. Um, let's talk about 18 Chesapeake. Jennifer, can you can you tell us a little bit about this game?
1: Okay, so for the 18 XXers out there, this is basically simplified 1830, okay? Now, for the rest of everybody,
0: right,
1: (laughs) Um, you know, this is a train game, a train and stock game, of course, you know, you buy stocks. No, I'm sorry. Let me start over. You, companies are created and then stocks are bought, you know, from those companies, from the, the bank, which is called the IPO when you're buying the stocks. And then there's what's called an operating round and you um try to make money with your trains during the operating round. The challenge, the main obvious challenge to the game, is that as the game goes on, the trains that you have uh, come i mean become what is called rusted i e they they cannot be used anymore. And since the company, itself does not have um any income per se. I mean you can you can make runs and then put the money back into the, the company, but it's not like mini games where, you know, oh yes yeah, so at the end of a turn you get fifty dollars or whatever. That's not yeah. how it works. And um like I said, the the challenge is Mostly trying to manage your trains so that you don't a go bankrupt. and In this game, it does have play. At, well, I don't know if you call it player elimination, but if someone goes bankrupt, the game is over.
0: Right, okay. and that person definitely loses, and everybody else sees who has the most money, and the game ends, and sees who, see who wins from who has the most money.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so um, it it is the whole genre is popular because it's very interaction based so if i see if i see that ben is making a ton of money through let's say washington dc and during the operations phase i can block that that route and that's one of the things about it is some people you know, might call it take that, but it's not take that. It's not arbitrary. Um, as a famous 18xxer has said, I believe, you win the game because everybody else loses. <laughs>
0: sure. And
1: you have to play that way if you want to play well. I am no expert at 18xx, but I love it. I love watching um, the board develop. I love the choices people make. No, there is there are no random factors except one, which is very early on in the game and really doesn't have a huge impact on who wins. It has an impact on the game, but it doesn't have any impact on who wins. And so, you know, you're going to buy uh, start companies, Buy stock in those companies. You hope that the companies return dividends and you win by having the most money, including the stock valuation. Now, it's not a game like, you know, some games, yeah, you win by the most money, but the money is really victory points. And so every time you spend the money, you're spending victory points. That's not what's going on here. You know, you must spend money in order to win the game so yeah. no it's it's definitely a currency based type of uh, game experience
0: so now I, I think we have a cool opportunity here because you you are you are quite experienced with 18xx you you told me you've probably played 200 games of 18xx Of 1830, um, yeah yeah um and right of 1830 alone and i I have probably played less than 20 games of 18xx in my whole life, probably somewhere between Fifteen and twenty. I've I played eighteen thirty. I've played eighteen sixty two. I've played eighteen Chesapeake now, and I've played eighteen seventy nine. I think I played eighteen Ireland at some point. No, not eighteen. I played. Uh, I forget the one that Tom has. Um, but yeah, I've played. I've played a bunch, but I'm still very new at it. Um, I would love. I think why don't I give my thoughts on 18 Chesapeake as somebody who's only played, you know, less than 20 games and you give your thoughts on 18 Chesapeake as someone who has played hundreds of games of 18 XX. So what what is the experienced 18 XXers take on 18 Chesapeake?
1: Well, the question, okay. So as in nearly every heavy game, you cannot make true assessments until you've played several games with experienced players. And, you know, Matt's really nice, but he's not an experienced player. You can tell. Nope, I so, am not. <laughs> but he's great to play with. It's it's awesome. So I can't really give you a full, you know, rundown on that. I will say this much: eighteen Chesapeake has a lot of double town tiles and for each tile, there's only one. And my suspicion is a lot of the gameplay is going to revolve around those tiles, but I don't know because I haven't been able to play with people who are familiar enough with the game to be able to evaluate the importance. That's one of the, you know, when you're looking at an 18 XX, or at least when I'm looking at one, I'm looking at, okay, so what here is unchangeable? What here is a one-time thing? What, you know what I mean? And then those
0: are the things- Explain to me that, because what do you mean by one-time thing?
1: Well, okay, so, you know, in 1830, New York is very valuable, and you're trying to get into New York, right? And 18 Chesapeake, New York is very valuable, but it's surrounded by these, these two, two town tracks. The tracks are hexes, and the board, of course, is hexes. And so once those two town tracks are placed, they can never be upgraded. They can never be changed. Nothing. Right. Right. And so, so you know, I'm that looking changes at that
0: the whole game, right?
1: Part, yeah. And so, because people want to get to New York, and also in 18th Chesapeake, a lot of the uh, the companies start. Not a lot, but what three? I think companies start relatively close to New York, how that plays out is probably going to have an impact on the game. Right. Okay. And if experienced players are are playing it and know what the good ones are and what the bad ones are, I mean, I could easily see a mini game happening just in that area where someone just gets a company just to screw it up the tiles going into New York, right?
0: Right, right.
1: So, um, you know, it could happen. So I don't know. I can't give a full assessment until I have played uh, enough games with people who are experienced. And the only reason I'm giving Matt a hard time is (laughs) because, you know, as he does what many players do is he just considers what's in front of him instead of looking down the line. And 18xx is very important to figure out how you're going to get to permanent trains, how you're gonna to get to a diesel if your company needs a diesel, what is your stock holding gonna you know, look like? How do I get to a full set of certificates? All of these things which aren't obvious, but as you continue to play, you're going to un- have a better understanding of.
0: Um, what, how do you think this game compares to other 18xxs and what does it, does it do things you love in 18xx? Does it do things you don't like in 18xx? Where, where does this fall into the whole genre for you?
1: Um, it You know, I happen to like 22 best, and even after playing this a lot of times, I still like 22 best, but 22 has more going on. As you mentioned yourself, this is a fairly simple 18xx. I mean, it's still 18xx, which is very important. Yeah. So, you know, to me, there have been some other games like Poseidon and some other stuff that are supposed to be entry to 18xx, and they, in, in my opinion... Fail at that, but this is entry to 18xx. I'm just not sure how much replayability it has because of the simplicity. Right. I mean, I'm not right. saying don't buy it because when, when I say uh, um, not as much replayability, I'm talking about plays at the 50 plus
0: level. Right, of course. Well, talk to me about the privates in this game and also if you could maybe explain to people what privates are.
1: Okay, um, so back in the day, because they do have a real uh, historically equivalent, when the trains were first starting in the U.S., I, I can't speak to the, to the U.K., but just to the U.S., there were a bunch of small companies who were running trains and they were running short routes. And then I would suspect that as people began to understand that, moving cargo and moving people by train was going to be a big thing, then let's combine those those private companies and create larger corporations. You know, trains in the U.S. were the first um, companies that were incorporated, i.e. they sold stock. Okay? Uh, so the privates are just a way to kind of get started in the game. I'm not Sure that the, with the exception of two, that the other privates really mean much. I mean, people just use them as piggy banks, and um, I think it had I designed the game, I probably wouldn't have bothered with them. But that's you know, Scott's choice. Um, the the Vanderbilt though, and I really like the mechanic that a a, a president share comes with a comes. With the Vanderbilt and that present share is random. That was great. That's exactly right. what it should be. That's it exactly. changes up
0: every game pretty drastically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Depending on which one it it is. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um all right. Well, let me let me talk a little bit about what how how what I think of Chesapeake as a as a new 18XX player. And and I I will say I hadn't played an 18xx in a year. I haven't played many board games in a year. Um but i it'd been a while since i'd played 18xx and it, and and it it wasn't like riding a bike where i just immediately <laughs> remembered the uh the you know the pacing and the timing and the pacing and timing of an 18xx are, are kind of everything and if you've sort of forgotten the the train rush and you know the overall pacing of of when you need to figure out how to get your permanent trains and all those things um you will lose badly and i did in my first game and i think in my second game i uh it clicked back in and i i was playing again but but um Jennifer and both Ben Ben M um, were both very helpful in in giving me advice as I went through because I I wanted to to really try to grok the strategy as much as I could so that um, I could speak uh, somewhat knowledgeably during this review. Um, So to me, this is the the first 18xx I've played other than 30 where I feel like I'm getting all the things that make 18xx. Um, I feel like this is... Everything, like if you've played 18 Chesapeake, you'll have pretty much seen all the most important elements of 18xx. You'll have seen privates, you'll have seen stock manipulation, you'll have seen uh, the, the importance of running good companies, you'll see the importance of not running good companies, you'll see the importance of tokening, of uh, track building, of strategic track building, of denial, denying tiles. I, I think it, it has all of the basic uh strategies and things that make 18XX fun all the shenanigans as they call them but with you know the uh edges rounded off a little bit on all of it as well and, and the sort of the sharp edges sanded down a bit um can you be totally hosed in this game yes um is it harder than in 1830 yes uh you can't be as hosed so easily um so it's it's a little more of a forgiving experience but if you play badly like i did Uh, you will uh, die to the train rush. Um, And I'll explain what a train rush is very briefly. Uh, As Jennifer said, there are certain trains that rust, which is an abstraction of the idea of technology moving forward and older trains becoming obsolete. So if your company has super old trains, when the latest train is invented uh, and the abstraction breaks down here, your trains just disappear, poof, they're gone. And if your company has no trains... Um, one of the rules in almost all 18xxs is, is if your Trump company can run, it must run. And if you can't buy a train, you must buy a train. And if you cannot fo- afford a train, you dip into your private money. And if you don't have enough money in your uh, private money and in liquidating your stocks, you are dead. Um, so if you don't k- take keep the train rush in mind and when somebody... Uh, quickly buys through the trains, uh, thus abstracting the idea of technology moving forward. If you have not prepared for that, you can be very badly damaged. Um, and that's, that's sort of the fun part of 18xx is sort of figuring out how you're going to survive the train rush and how you're going to get what we call permanent trains, which are trains that never rust. Once your company has a permanent train, a, a couple things happen. It becomes a company that no one has to fear is going to be dumped on them um company dump is a thing that happens in 18xx and can also happen in 18 Chesapeake that's when you uh purposefully fail a company in order to make what i just described happening in the train rush happen to somebody else and you force you sell all your stocks and now they have more stock than you and they become the president and it's their problem to deal with um but once you have a permanent train, people can start buying stock in you because you're never going to dump a good company on them. It's a now it's a company that will never have that happen to it. Um, so navigating that switch from uh, you know non permanent trains to permanent trains to me is is as a beginner player that's the game figuring out how can I survive that. Just like in Age of Steam, figuring out how to get into the green, how to get into making money as opposed to losing money every round as a beginner, that's the whole game. Figure that out. Once you figure that out, okay, now we can start playing. Now you can start really figuring out how you can hurt people by tokens, dropping your station markers down, how you can hurt people by messing with the tiles. You know, there's the, then, it, then you really start playing the game. And I think 18 Chesapeake does a great job of walking you through the stages of learning the strategies for 18xx. And the best thing about it, you can finish it. You can actually finish this in a game night, Um, uh, which I can't say about any other eighteen XX at all. So not only is sorry, go ahead.
1: Finish sixty two.
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, If if you don't, if nobody has to be taught, because the the teach for sixty two is a beast. But yeah, yeah.
1: And, and Matt mentioned where we played it.
0: Yes, yeah, so and that's one of my favorite things about this. We played this on 18xx.games, which is a fantastic, fantastic site. I think the the, the gentleman who made it is, I think his name is, is Toby or Tony, Some I forget his name, but he it's a beautiful site. It does everything for you. Um, it's web based, not app based. You don't have to download it, it's not like Vassal. Um, it's even prettier than Vassal, uh, just a little bit. Um, but it's it works flawlessly. It was like like a tank. It was hard to hurt it. I mean, it if you could undo things, you could move through things. It does the math for you. It shows you what tiles are available. So that really makes an 18XX playable because there's no setup, there's no teardown. And as we all know, the longest thing in 18XX is manipulating your chips and, and chipping up and chipping down and giving the chips and here's your chips and that that that's an hour of the game just right there. Um, and it, it definitely cuts all that out for you and it does all the calculating for you. You still need a calculator so you could figure out how not to die. Um, but, but other than that, um, I think it was fantastic. So I, yeah, I, um, I, I, I really enjoyed this to me. This, uh, uh, 1846 is another 18XX. I've played a bunch that I didn't mention. I I don't like 1846. If I have to be honest, I, I think it's, um, okay. It's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't think it does what I like about 18xx.
1: Well, um, it's, it's biggest problem, in my opinion, and why I don't think it's a good beginner is because there are, okay, well, let me step back just a little bit. I don't really like having to guide people step by step through a game. Mm-hmm. Okay? But in 46, there are just bad companies. Yes, so I have to say, well, no, I, yes, that looks like that, but no, you're going to lose if you take that company. You're almost certainly right. going to lose.
0: Right, see, because there's... Yeah, well, go ahead. Why? No, I was just saying there there are companies that, you, that are good in the early game and in the mid game and in the late game, and you have to know that or else you're in trouble.
1: But, well, I would argue that the B&O in that game is never good, but that's a different discussion. But see, in 18 Chesapeake, you don't have that issue. I'm very comfortable with beginners choosing any of them. I mean, I might want to point out the New York, the ones that are close to New York might be a little more complex, but you can certainly win from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 one thing also, they were all fun. I think I've played most of the companies at this point. They're all fun to figure out. Like they're all a cool little puzzle unto themselves.
1: Yeah. Definitely, they all have their own challenges. You no, know, and the other thing about 18 Chesapeake, and just like we're, we keep talking about the simplicity, one of the best things that it, it doesn't have what's known as a ton of MacGuffins. Okay, mm-hmm. so like for example, MacGuffins are basically places where it varies. It it, or at least my understanding of MacGuffin is, <laughs> um, or, or it varies from 1830 so like for example in 46 you know it's called a partial it's a part it's a partial capitalization game because you don't you know get all of the capitalization well in chesapeake because it's not that you don't even have to worry about the capitalization concept it this is what you get right and then in 46 you can pay out a half dividend well that's another decision for a beginner right
0: yeah yeah
1: and yeah and and oh also each tile placement each yellow tile placement costs money well again more managing more trying to figure out do i have enough money and see when you're trying to teach a game you want The game you want a clear cut good game without a ton of decisions because for every decision you're almost certainly at some point going to get a beginner saying what should I do?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What what I think all of us want is for a beginner to kind of yeah okay I get it you know maybe I'm not going to win but I can see I can see my way forward.
0: And you did that really well for me in this game. There were times when you just when I would ask a question and you would go. I think you should think about it for a second and answer it for yourself. And you were right to do that. There was times when you were like, no, 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 this, this is, you know, strategically, this is probably the better move here, but you were like, look at it for a second a longer. And I think you'll figure it out, and, you know, or, or and, and you're like, or you won't. And that'll also be a lesson. <laughs> you know, so, And, and you, yeah, it's, you can take the training wheels off a lot faster in 18. Chesapeake
1: right. and I mean, I joke, so I would not let him go bankrupt. Okay. So it's not like, you
0: know, <laughs>
1: I'll just push you over, over the, the, the edge, but there are, you know, no, no matter what in 30 and 18 Chesapeake, there are, a number of decisions that really impact the game. And see, I love that about that, is that you make decisions that matter, you know? And too many games, in my opinion, have these little micro decisions. It's kind of like, you know, you can walk, Firmly with a full walk, or you can put your foot one step in front of the other and hope you eventually get there. And I don't care for those kind of games much. So that's one of the reasons why 18XX appeals to me is that I feel like the decisions in my game have, I mean, in the game have an impact on both a short term and a long term impact on how the game plays out.
0: Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, and, and, and as a new player, it's really fun to watch the mechanisms turn. It does, it does a thing that I I've never really experienced in another board game, which is just the blossoming of understanding of strategy. Like there's definitely very complicated games where, you know, in the third game, you kind of go, Oh, now I see what the game is. But I feel like with 18xx as a genre, you, you as a player go through that. On, on a much larger scale of, you know, after 10 games, you go, oh, okay, now I see the game. And then 10 games later, you have that experience again. Oh, right. no, 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 this is the game. And then 50 games later, you probably have that experience again. No, this is the game. And so right. there's just this much larger sense of exploration and and understanding and personal growth as a player that I think is really satisfying and, and probably why it's such a popular genre with people.
1: Right, right, and you know, it's kind of in some ways it's the anti-Europe because it's it's long. You know, you're not gonna, yeah. you know, finish a game and the time it would take you to play wingspan. You know, yeah. you need multiple plays, and you know, so many of us, including me, flip from game to game, and 18XX is not a good genre to do that with, mm-hmm. and you know, but um, it's interesting to see all the interest now. To see, it's kind of like. You know, as you guys know, I'm I'm the, uh, or actually, you folks know, I'm the game pioneer. And so what happens is, I see my own growth in gaming in the hobby, right? So first mm-hmm. you're kind of, oh, sellers is cool. Oh, democracy is cool. Oh, um, 1830 is cool, right? And you can see that in the entire hobby as it moves into fillers and medium games, and then it moves into the medium heavy games. And now we're up at the 18xx games because we've grown as a hobby, and that is beautiful.
0: I agree. And it is, it has been awesome to watch 18xx become cool. Um, and it's, I feel like it's totally cool to like 18xx right now. It's almost like, it's like artisanal, I don't know, like denim or something. It's just like, (laughs) it's become like a super hipster thing, uh, you know, for better or for worse. But I think for better as more people are playing the genre and and I think it's a pretty welcoming community I found so far. Um, and they just want more players and they're usually pretty, uh, Pretty nice and friendly because they know that um, their genre is pretty niche, and they they just want to play more for the most part. <laughs> most 18xXers I've met, um, so and they're and they're usually very happy to teach, and uh, you know. And so, so to me, I, I will give you my 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 final thoughts on this as a newbie, and then I would love your final thoughts on this, Jennifer, as an experienced 18xXer. Um, my newbie final thoughts would be: um, if you're like me and you are interested in 18xX this is the only 18xx that I would start with. Um, for, for, for this reason, I played 1846 as my first 18xx. I played it three or four times. And then even by the, my fourth play, I was still going, I'm not totally sure I'm getting why people love 18xx. I was enjoying it. I was having fun, but I wasn't obsessed. It wasn't until my first game of 1830 that I kind of went, oh, I get, I get why people love 18xx. And that may have been helped by having played you know, three or four games of 1846, so I got the basics down before I played 1830. But that was the game where I was like, "Oh no, this is really cool." I I think you'll get that experience pretty quickly with 18 Chesapeake. I think it it shows you everything that 18XX can do in its most basic forms. You've got privates, you've got stock manipulation, you've got all the fun stuff. Um, it can be mean, but it's not brutal, um, and it's. Not that long, comparatively, obviously. It's you know a three to four hour game. But on 18xx.games, it's even shorter. Um, either way, it's a game where what's important when you're learning 18xx is to finish games, to see the whole stages, to see the setup, to see the stock rounds, to see the train rush, and then to see how a game ends, You know what it looks like when everybody's just running their routes and they're running out the bank. Um, and to to really get that whole picture multiple times in, and if you're doing with 1830, you're lucky to get a couple games in a year. If you're a, a a gamer with a you know who doesn't game, you know you need a whole day to play 1830. And that how often does that happen for the average person? Um, so to me, this is the no holds. There's no question that this is the go to beginner 18xx. And and what I like about it is that at least from what I've understood, experienced gamers will not feel like they're playing a boring 18xx while you learn to play that it still has something that appeals to them and so you know it may not be their favorite 18xx it may not be 1822 but I don't think an 18xx player is gonna be like oh fine let's suffer through a few games of this so we can go play the real <laughs> games I think they'll go oh' no this is a real game I, I I'm excited to play this um, I'm gonna I'm gonna whoop you real bad at it but uh, you know I'm still getting enjoyment out of it um, and so, yeah, that's where I, that's where I stand on. I think this is the the one must-have beginner eighteen XX. Um, Jennifer, can you give us your your final uh, experienced thoughts on it? Well, f-
1: from an experience point of view, eighteen Chesapeake would be considered to be an operational game, hmm. which means that basically, the, okay, it's not. It has some aspects of a stock. Focus games because when you sell every for each stock that you sell, the price goes down. Like in '62, that's not true. If, if it doesn't matter if you sell three or if you sell one, it's the the price drop is the same. But in Chesapeake, it's like 30, and um, the the stock goes down. So there can be, you know, people. Trashing your stock just because they can, and of course, guys, you know, I mean, folks, um, I I play a gentle version with new players. I don't do that kind of thing, right? But you know, at some point, Matt, (laughs) (laughs) the gloves may come off. Yeah, um, yeah. So for um, experienced eighteen XXers, they could skip this. I mean, Troy. Truly, most really experienced eighteen XXers want a stock game. They want eighteen seventeen, for yeah. example, um, or um, what's the, it's a Sicilian one, but I can't remember the name. That one I believe is very stock focused. I'm not into the stock ones because it's too much math. And oh, sure. I mean, sure. trying to figure like in seventeen, you can short stocks, right? So that's a lot of math trying to figure out, okay, if I short this and then this happens, oh, it's just for me it's too much. But seventeen is very popular in the 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 eighteen XX um, subgenre. So yeah, I mean to be very honest with you. I don't know that has much appeal to the experienced 18xxer, but I agree with you that they would be happy to, to to play it, especially if they felt that the players might later play 17 or play 30. 30 is another game. You know, I don't know if the experts call it a stock game, but stock is, is more important, I think, in that game. So, you know, that's kind of my, my take on it. For myself, I like simplicity, so I'm totally happy to, to play it. But, but as I think I said to, to begin with, I am not an 18xx expert. Hmm.
0: Well, compared to me and most people probably listening, you are. So I, I definitely appreciate the expertise you gave me while we were playing. I feel like it gave me a, a greater appreciation of the genre and, and made me a better player, too.
1: Oh, good! And, and then in a couple of plays, you'll be beating me into the floor. I, right? I'm can't okay. Can't wait. With that. I'm okay.
0: If you know me, that's the only reason I play is to just to destroy people. So <laughs> I can't. I cannot wait for well,
1: that. But you can't be a real 18XX player unless you want. I, like I said, the reason you win is because everybody else loses.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, oh yeah. One last thing before we go, I will. I will say that. Um, you know, one one fun thing about 18XX for me at least is sort of building track and and knowing the location. So I, I've played right. I've played 18XX games that take place in other countries, and it's a little more abstract. But there's something fun about being an American and you know building a track from Ohio to New York and DC. Like it, it, there's there's a little it's a little more. Uh, it's it's less abstract and a little more intuitive and, and thematic for me playing this map. So, your you know your experience with uh, American geography might might add to the enjoyment of it. As well. And
1: you know, there eighteen sixty two is British for you UK people.
0: That's right. Which is and that's one where it's like I've I've spent some time there, but the, the it's a little more abstract to me because I'm you know I don't know a lot of the locations and stuff. So it's a small thing, but something to think about that you know it may impact your enjoyment of it. Um, All right, let's move into our member segment. I cannot wait to get into this. Today we are discussing what we think are great video games for Euro gamers. And Jennifer and I have each come up with five games, five different games that we think are excellent recommendations, uh, at least for us personally, of games that we think the Euro gamer would find enjoyment in in the video game world. Jennifer, do you want to? Do you think we should maybe just sort of go back and forth? You want to start, and you do one, I'll do one. Does that sound good?
1: Um. Uh, why don't we have it where either I do my five and then you do your five?
0: Sure. Do you have a preference? Only, only I'm, I'm...
1: because otherwise I'm going to lose track.
0: <laughs> totally, totally, uh, totally up to you. Do you want to go first? do You want me to go first?
1: Um. I can go first. I've got it all written out. Great. So. Um, as my introduction to video games for Euro gamers, there is a decided lack. I just want to get this out there of Mac games, and there's a lot of indie games. Okay, and the two actually relate to each other because indie devs can't usually risk uh, bringing out a game for a Mac and having it not sell. It's way more likely to sell on. The PC. Okay, the games that I'm going to talk about, I find that I found them all to be accessible. You guys might notice I use that word a lot um, without a steep learning curve. Accessibility means for for me that someone can look at the game and figure out what's going on without some long teach. One of the of video games is that the rules are incorporated into the game so you don't ever have to worry about well did I get that rule right or you know I mean those kind of questions in general don't come up um, which is a positive. So um, my first game that I would suggest for a Eurogamer is an older game it's a little older called Banished and Banished you, um, you start with, well, it depends on your start, but let's assume uh, a normal start. You're going to start with in a forest, probably next to water with a bunch of people who have shown up and, you know, they need to be housed. They want to eat. They need to be warm. Um, and as time goes on, they want to be schooled. They want to be educated. And so you can you control all of this. So you know you you go and you have you assign people to be wood choppers or fish gatherers or oh herbalist people who do herbs. Um, um, so that you know if people get sick, they have a chance of of, of getting better. Um, this was developed by a single um, a single death. And it is Windows only on Steam, and it's single player. Uh, Matt, have you tried Banished?
0: No, I'm looking at it right now. I'd never even heard of it before. Okay? So is this sort of a uh, a sandbox game, or is there yeah. is there a structure It's kind of
1: it? a sandbox. I mean, it's not. Really, okay, in my opinion, a sandbox game means that you can't lose. Well, Banished will mm-hmm. starve to death or freeze to death very easily. So I wouldn't call it. Myself a sandbox game, but it doesn't have a campaign. I'll uh, let's leave it like that.
0: Does it have uh, an ending? Is there like a credits roll?
1: I don't know because I don't know anyone who has ever gotten to whatever might be an ending. Because most of the time, what happens is you're not satisfied. You know, oh gee, I've got too many uneducated people, or right. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm barely making it by, so I start over or at least that's what happened with me i probably played badass for about 50 to 60 hours
0: oh wow okay
1: okay all right so for your for you you know pick up and deliver train games not 18xx guys folks Mm -hmm. there's no um 18xx equivalent on 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 in video games that I know of, and that's basically because, in my opinion, the AI needed to make a truly valid um, 18xx game is probably uh, out of reach. You know the mm. cost um, for most devs. So, Railway Empire, which was just recently free on the Epic's game store, um, is um, is a very nice looking graphic game. And you start in the U.S., you know, with all the U.S. towns. What's the uh, title again, Jennifer? Pardon?
0: What's the title again?
1: I'm sorry. Railway Empire.
0: Got it. Railway Empire. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. And like I said, it's it's very close to um, pick up and deliver. Um, you start in one city. Um, There's like little cow places where you can go and get beef and bring it to the people if that's what they want. Or maybe they want um, wheat or barley so that they can make beer in their city. There are companies already in the cities like you might have, you know, a a beer making industry. Um, There's also passengers who want to go, let's say, from New York to Pittsburgh. Um, it it has it's really this is a good part about it. It has both a simple signaling where basically trains can move through each other, and it also has the more standard I'd say um, complex signaling where you know you have to kind of do double track or you know do do side tracks and really manage your signals so that particularly mail and passengers can get to their destinations and pay you more because the slower the passengers get there the less you're going to get paid um the other thing is of course you know if you only have one route between uh pittsburgh and new york and and you're trying to run like four or five things Through there, it can be challenging. There's warehouses, though, so you can't put passengers in warehouses, of course, but you can put cargo in there. Um, The other game that is always free is a game called Open TTD. A lot of people love it. I found the graphics wanting and having to deal with a zillion mods was not something that I was interested in. Oh, that's well, from
0: 2004. Apparent. Open All TTD, yeah. Oh, I was just looking at Open TTD, Transport Tycoon Deluxe from 2004. Yeah, it does. It does look like uh, like an old Sim City game from the nineties.
1: Right. Well, you know, it is. I mean, it's it. It can be very complex, particularly when you start throwing in mods. Uh, oh, folks, for those who don't know what a mod is, think of a mod as a house rule. It's kind of the uh uh uh, equivalent except that the the mods all stay with where it was that you got the game from so um so with railway empire there's there's several dlcs there's a british dlc there's an andes dlc um the game includes a campaign and it includes separate scenarios I believe it has a challenge mode. It has a free mode where you can just do a random map. And it has a sandbox mode where there are no costs. So normally there's cost and you have to kind of manage, you know, the the finances as well. There might be stocks. I don't remember, but it's not an 18xx style stock game. Have you played it yet?
0: No, this I've just added it to my wish list. This looks fantastic. Um, it's beautiful too. The graphics yeah, seem yeah, wonderful.
1: That's, it's yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: If you're that's, if you're a train person, I, I'm admittedly not a train person, really. But if you are, this is uh, this would be some train porn. I think. Right.
1: Exactly. It's been ported to nearly every platform except mobile and Mac. It is not available on yeah. Mac. It is a single-player-only game.
0: Right. All right. right. Add it to my wish list.
1: All right. And then my favorite game of all of the decade is Anno 1800. And Anno, the series, started with Anno 1602 as a plain city builder that had production lines which is a theme that's core to all of the Anno games and by the way Anno this is gonna it's gonna get a board game and it's its third board game in the the series I believe the series has seven games in it totally um okay so Anno 1800 is a really big city builder business sim production line game that includes combat but you don't have to have combat you can you can basically set the game up so you don't have to worry about combat if you don't want to. It, it includes non-player characters and the, the ability to create fantastic city creations. Um, they just released the amusement park pack, so you can put roller coasters and ferrisals. Are you
0: serious? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's, like, beautiful. You make a world fair in the game as, as well, and that looks awesome, too. And guys, 1800, and we're going to the Caribbean, and you're going, Jennifer, I thought you didn't like 1800 times in the Caribbean. But, see, there are no slaves in the game for sure. And the separate cities in the Caribbean are treated just like your European cities and are considered trading partners, not enslaved people. And it, And I understand that someone might say, well, I think that's, you know, splitting hairs, but it's not because the in the Caribbean, the people there don't want as much, which is fine, but they still want things and you are still responsible for getting them to them. You know, what I mean, you have to assign the workers just like you do in Europe and um, you treat them just like you're European uh, equivalent, So I don't have an issue. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't have an, an issue with the implementation. But the beauty of, 1800, uh, of you know, 1800 is that they included black people, women, disenfranchised people in the game as viable living people. So you can play as an ex-slave. There's several women with credible stories, like there's a woman whose husband died in debtor's prison, and so she's an NPC that's trying to regain his fortune. Um, there is a Madame who is of color in the game, and also a black pirate and a female pirate. I mean, it's like a beautiful representation. I mean presentation of representation. I just love it. It is multiplayer. It's also co-op, Windows, only available on Epic Store or Uplay and just buy it on Uplay because you'll need their client anyway. Did you play it,
0: Matt? I, I bought it on your recommendation when we uh had our discussion about representation in games and I have been waiting because I was saving up to get my ultra wide monitor, which I got this week, and I, I installed it a few days ago and I cannot wait to play it because I've seen people play it on an ultra wide monitor and it looks amazing. Really? So I'm very, very excited to dive into it this week.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah, no ultra wide for me, but I'm 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 quite satisfied with what I've got.
0: Yeah, no, it's a gorgeous game, and um, I'm really excited to try it. It, it definitely sounds like it's going to be very much up my alley, and going to yeah. The take only
1: over thing is, Matt, life. if you go to bed at three in the morning with kids, it's not good. Okay.
0: No, and, and that's yes, that does happen. That is a problem. That is a problem.
1: <laughs> Just giving especially, you a little warning.
0: Especially when mine get up at like five thirty these days.
1: Right. <laughs> Yep, so, okay, the, the next one is called The Factory Town, which you probably haven't heard of. It, it's uh, done by, again, a single dev, and it, um, but I'm really enjoying it. It looks like it could have been designed by one of our favorite designers, Uwe Rosenberg. There's mm. wood and stone and coal and iron, and your job is to keep your people housed and fed. Who knew, right? But in the meantime, you make ways to provide more stuff for your people all the way up to magical ways. Um, and unlike some base builders, there's currency. So you don't get to place all these great buildings for free. And some of them also have ongoing costs. So at least at the start of the game, you're going to be doing some money management. Um Energy production is important as well, and you research better ways to transport, produce, and expand your factory town. It has a whiff of Factorio, which if you guys know about video games, you've definitely heard of it. But um, it's way simpler and more accessible than Factorio, and I really uh, appreciate it for that. Note that it's in early access, so things can change before release I have over 400 hours of it oh in my early access and I've been quite pleased it also has fantastic music really enjoy it okay it's single player and windows only
0: what is the uh what is the hook here that that gets you what 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 about it do you enjoy so much that made you put 400 hours into it
1: uh, because you you know see. Um, unlike Anno, in in Factory Town, things run out, right? So you put your little houses down, you put your farm, or actually you start har- harvesting grain and trying to make flour and then trying to make bread, and then the grain runs out because you were harvesting it all the time and didn't replant. So now you have to go and research a real farm and then you have the farm but then over time you know the farm runs out because you didn't put in enough fields and in order to put in fields you have to have uh, fertilizer and, and um, you know uh, actual seeds and um, the transportation options are great you can put stuff in chutes you have wagons you have you um, trains, which are really well done. It's the best implementation of trains in a base builder that I've ever seen because you can say, okay, well, at this stop, you should drop this off and then pick this up and only pick up half of what's there, right? And um, it's it's fantastic. Most games, the trains are pretty simple, and most games – that are base builders. I have not found the trains worth it, but trains are really well done here. Um, and, you know, it's just, you get a new map. The The map choices are amazing. You can have black maps, you can have planes, you can have volcanoes, you can, I mean, just tons of stuff. So there's always a different way of playing. He just implemented scenarios so you can have a rail
0: scenario,
1: or you can have, you know, different setups to make it more more
0: interesting. Yeah, I've uh, this one is also available for Mac too, which is nice. Is it? Yeah, it says Windows and Mac.
1: Yeah. Okay, if it says Mac, is there, I didn't know that. you well, that's good. It should be available for Mac because I mean, it's not like it, you know, it takes up two hundred meg's. I mean, gigs.
0: Yeah. 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 No, and it's uh, it's on sale right now for fourteen bucks. I've never played a game like this before, um, but I, I would like to try this genre out, and I think this will be the one I try. I've never I've never tried, you know, Factorio or any of those games like yeah, that. No, no, you know,
1: you know, I would do this. This is to me feels no. very Eurobeat. It feels very Uwe Rosenberg.
0: It sounds relaxing,
1: right? Uh, and the music, maybe even Alfred might
0: like the music. Oh. All right. right. I'm going to check this one out too. You're costing me a lot of money here, Jennifer. The next one will be free. No,
1: but it's all for a good cause. Am I right?
0: (laughs) You are right. You are right.
1: All right. The last is for our abstract fans. It's called Mini Metro. Have you played that?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Dude, you are so behind.
0: Look, look, you're you're (laughs) teaching me a lot here. Mini Metro.
1: (laughs) Mini Metro is basically, again, it's, it's, you know, I'm going to talk about delivering passengers, but it's not a train game, okay? It's an an abstract game where you're trying to deliver passengers to the symbol they want to go to, like, you start out with squares, triangles, and circles, and then your you know, passengers will want to go to these different places. Except the problem is you keep finding all these new squares, triangles, and circles outside of your train line. So you have to keep expanding the train line, but you might not be able to do it very well without redoing everything. And you know, you keep getting more and more passengers until like, you know, everybody gets mad and
0: the game's over. Right. So <laughs> it, it looks like it sounds like like bus meets Tokyo Metro a little bit.
1: Right, yeah, 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 except it's harder, much harder. Right. Yeah, and it's available on Windows, Mac, and iOS and maybe Android. I don't know because I haven't checked. I don't right. see on Android because I'm fortunate to have an iPad.
0: Wow, All right. that, um- It looks beautiful. I mean, it really—it looks like Tokyo Metro. It's that same sort of. It looks like you're you're playing playing on a subway map.
1: Yeah, it does. Yep. All right, I'm gonna give out some shouts to Satisfactory. It's a Windows game. If you liked Mousetrap as a kid, Satisfactory is perfect. Okay. Uh, I choose it over Factorio because, again, Satisfactory, in my opinion, is more accessible. But if you really like both of them, you should. I mean, if you like Mousetrap, you should probably look at both of them. Uh, Factorio, at least, has a demo. Um, it's, uh, both of those are co-op multiplayer. The other one, shout out Stardew Valley, because nearly every Euro gamer secretly wants to be a gardener, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I have played Stardew Valley. I enjoy that game.
1: Yeah, Mac, Windows, co-op, and it's also on mobile and console.
0: And Switch, yeah. That's where
1: i yeah. it. Yeah. And that's cool. it.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Wow, I love it. Those are, I had, I I think i had heard of one of those. So that's really, that's fantastic. Um, mine are not going to be as, uh, as unknown. So these are probably games that many gamers have maybe heard of, but maybe they haven't thought of them in Euro terms. Or if they have, uh, or if they're not big gamers, this might uh, be good places for them to start. So... First thing, I'm going to talk about Paradox Games. Paradox Games is a publisher that makes insanely complicated games that you will spend 100 hours just learning and then um, maybe 10,000 hours playing. Paradox Games, uh, my th- three favorites are Crusader Kings 3, which just came out recently, is incredible. Hearts of Iron 4, which is a World War II game, and Stellaris. Now, these are very complicated grand strategy games. A grand strategy game is a game that you are handling things on a very large scale. So Crusader Kings, you are one person in England uh and you are not playing as that person though. You are playing as a dynasty. So when that person dies, your child takes over and when that child dies, their child takes over and your goal is just to make sure that you always have an heir that takes over and uh, is able to keep your line going. It's got crazy tech trees and dynasty tech trees and conquering war mechanics. This this is a, uh, to me, paradox is sierra madre games or ion games these are phil Eklund games these are games that are so complicated and take so long to learn that that better be a huge part of the enjoyment for you you must if you don't enjoy learning games you will not enjoy playing these games because half the game is learning it
1: matt i would say that Stellaris is relatively accessible
0: well, you're smarter than me, Jennifer, because I found ah. it very complicated. I, <laughs> I, I, had, I, it took me forever to learn Stellars. Yes, of, of all the Paradox games, it's 100% the simplest. And I would say Hearts of Iron 4 is not simple at all, at least once ah. you start adding in expansions. But, but that is a war game that is all about uh, 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 putting your... Um, your resource lines together and making sure that your troops have supplies and making sure that you can feed them. Again, I mean, it is, it's a war game that's all about making sure your factories are up and running in a way to, you know, stay ahead of the technology curve of other countries and make sure your supply lines are in order. And it, it's very much the, you know, the business side of war um, and it's wildly complicated. Um, and Stellaris is, is yeah, it's it's basically you know Orion or, or other great you know sort of civilization building and expanding 4X games. Um, it's pretty much a 4X game. But to me, these are if if you like Sierra Madre games, if you like really complicated games that really give back as much as you want to put in, I would recommend you take a look at Paradox, and you'll you'll find a genre within there that you probably like.
1: Yeah, um, did you know though that there Europa you never Mm-hmm. Video game implementation of the board game.
0: Yes, that's right, exactly. And then now they have a Crusader Kings board game of the video game, and yeah, the the people at Paradox are admittedly big Euro board gamers, so you will often find Euro mechanics throughout their games, and vice versa. Um, do you have, have Do you have much experience with Paradox games?
1: Um, I played some Stellaris, but. My favorite game in that genre is, is Distant Worlds by far.
0: It's right. It's much better. Right. I haven't played that, but I've, I've I've heard a lot about it. I've heard good things. Um, moving on uh, uh, is Darkest Dungeon. I've talked about it before on the podcast. It's one of my favorite video games of all time. Uh, the theme of it is uh, sort of Cthulhu, Gothic horror, Um But this is, you will think this is an action game where you're, you know, a turn-based sort of uh, strategy action game, but this is really a base management game. This is, you uh, are going to put together a dungeon diving team and that you're going to send it out into a uh a uh it's, this is a roguelike, so it's gonna be a different dungeon every time and permanent things happen, sort of like a legacy game. When your characters die and they will die all the time, um you keep playing because it's not about the characters, it's not about the team you're putting together, it's about the town you're building that these characters show up at. And it's about building up sending in a team uh and having them come out with as many resources as possible that you can then use to build and upgrade your town. Which then will equip the next team better to go farther and farther, and there is a, there is an end game to this, there is a final boss, there is you know a thing to build up to, but this is also i i the theme you will find in my video games is insanely complicated and an endless hole to dive into that you will always be learning new things. The darkest dungeon is a game that seems very simple, but I have probably spent. Over a hundred hours watching, let's play of Darkest Dungeon, and probably three times that playing it, because there's always new things to learn, and there's secrets, and there's so much going on. Um, I, I've I've been obsessed with the game for years, and I think it is a beautiful game of of resource management and uh, you know uh, risk assessment and and there's a huge amount of strategy and sort of you know how you you, you put your team together, Every there's asymmetrical characters, they all do different things, and then the, the order that they are sent out in and the gear they're given, and uh, to me, it, it feels like a board game, and in fact, they are making a board game of it that's going to be coming to Kickstarter next year. Um, have you played Darkest Dungeon, Jennifer?
1: Yes. Yeah, and you know, I should play it more. I should play I, it
0: more it is a beautiful game and they, and well you might want to hold out because darkest dungeon 2 is probably going to be coming out in the next year um darkest dungeon is wonderful and beautiful and has a lot of expansions but i i can't think of anything i'm more excited for in the video game world than darkest dungeon 2 because the you know the, the devs are are fantastic and um i can't wait to see what they do with the whole sequel i'm sure they're not just going to reskin it with better graphics i'm, I'm sure it'll be Something pretty new and interesting. Yeah, um, I will say, yeah, go ahead.
1: Or another game on my iPad, and I'm sure the two won't come out for even longer. So
0: that's I'll true. And Dark, darkest dungeon is available on everything. Anything you can play a video game on, it's 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 been it's been put on at this point. I will also say, paradox games. I didn't mention every paradox game, at least every one that I've ever seen, is available both for Mac and for PC. Right, that's something right, they yeah. always do.
1: Yeah, they're um, like so
0: those are the rare games you can play on both. Uh, my third is, uh, I think the only triple a action game I have in here and that is doom eternal. Um, this is a first person shooter. This is a cartoon violence over the top ridiculous, you know, shoot up game. So why am I talking about it in terms of Euro fans? Because to me, doom eternal is a Euro, uh, I have liked the other Dooms. I I really liked the last Doom, the sort of reboot Doom that came out in 2016, but I never cared about the originals. I wasn't, uh, I I like first person shooters, but it's never been my number one thing. Um, And I, uh, I read some reviews about Doom Eternal and they were describing it in board game terms, they were saying there's there's serious resource management going on. There is tactical considerations, strategic considerations. And I thought, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? You just go into a room and you shoot stuff and and you see things explode. And then I played it, and it's it's actually become in my top ten favorite games of all time. And and they're right. So what they've done is they've turned it into a a, a, a puzzle game with some serious strategic considerations. So imagine this, okay. You have eight different weapons, okay? Each weapon is necessary to kill a different type of monster, okay? Beyond that, you have about 10 different resources, Some of those are are different um, ammunitions for your weapons. Each weapon has multiple uh, ways that it can be used ammunition to do different things, and they'll all be used to to handle different uh, enemies. Okay, then you enter into a room, and here is six of the 20 enemies. You have to quickly figure out the correct order to kill them in, because some die faster than others, some do more damage, some do damage over time. So then you have to figure out, okay, there's six enemies. Each one needs a different gun and they, there's a correct order to this. Meanwhile, they're chasing you all over the room and trying to murder you. Um, so you're being forced to make these quick decisions on how to spend your resources. And then, and bullets and and ammunition is uh, a, a, a valuable and rare resource. So you only have a certain amount of ammunition and to get the job done. And you have to figure out the correct way to do it. To me, it was a glorious puzzle that also was wildly entertaining and exciting. And, and, and this isn't realistic violence. It's, it's silly with, you know, giant, ridiculous monsters. And, you know, you're not, this isn't like a, a, a war murder simulation. This is very silly. You know, you're in hell killing demons and stuff. Um, I also just think the game is gorgeous. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I would imagine, not a game for Jennifer at all. But, but, but it, it oddly fit the bill for me as a Euro game.
1: Yeah, you know, there was a time when I really kind of liked those kind of games, but now, you know, I don't know. I've just gotten older and I really like the creative parts of base builders and city builders, yeah. you know? I mean,
0: yeah.
1: um, one of, I think if I was going to ever play a shooter, it would probably be something in the Bioshock world sure. you know, uh, System Shock Bioshock. Yeah, those those appealed, but the rest of them have kind of fallen flat for me.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And Doom Eternal is not relaxing. Um I have I have ended levels where I'm shaking and sweating and like oh thoroughly exhausted and felt like I but but I also felt like I did something really like that game I play it on hard, um, which I recommend you do if you play this game, because it is if you play this on hard, it's It's so intense and you will have such, uh, I I like my games to be very brutal. Uh, I like that's darkest dungeon is also just very hard and very uh, unforgiving. Um, And I kind of enjoy that in my video games. I don't know why, but I do. And doom eternal is really hard. And, uh, but yeah, but it's fair. I I, I'm okay with hard as long as it's fair.
1: Right. I can totally Um, understand that.
0: Uh, All right, next up is about as far from Doom Eternal as you can get. These are two uh, sort of detective games. Her Story, two words, A-G-R-S-T-O-R-Y, and Return of the Obra Din. Her Story is a fantastic game where you are sat at a... Imagine if you went into a police precinct and sat down in front of a police computer and had access to all of the videotaped conversations and interviews with witnesses in a murder case. And you were meant to solve the murder by watching all of the different interviews that were done by the police of witnesses or, uh, you know, persons of interest on the case. And so you're watching actual video footage, you know, of actors with cameras shot, not, not CG. And you have, you're just given this giant, giant, dump of information and video, and it's up to you to go through it and figure out uh, the mystery. And what's really fun is that the way that you search for the videos is by imagine if somebody transcribed everything they said, and you can search by words used. So if you type in a word, it will show you every video where that word is said. And so the fun thing is you watch a video and you start out just randomly watching a video. And then that person says somebody's name. Oh, and then you Google that name and then four videos show up. Oh, I've never seen that person before. And then it so It links you down these different paths. And it's really up to you how you solve the mystery. Um, and it's thoroughly satisfying um, and has a great ending. And you can play the whole thing in a couple of hours. I, play, I played it with my wife and we had so much fun just sitting there and doing it together. It almost felt like a board game. So I'm going to compare it to, you know, Detective or Scotland Yard or, you know, this sort of very thematic deduction, you know, mystery detective games. Um, and I thought it was about as good as one of those as I'd ever played. Um, and the other is Return of the Oberdin, which is also a, a straight up detective game. Solve the mystery. But the graphics on it look like they're from the eighties on a Mac game. They look like uh Return to Dark Castle or you know, really sort of old seventh guest, like these really pixelated old school Mac OS games. Um, but it's a really smart and interesting uh murder mystery on a well, on a pirate ship sort of the uh the Oberdin. Um have you tried either of those, Jennifer?
1: Uh no, no. I you know, I probably should. But I always get so involved in my base building games or maybe distant worlds. Yeah. About, you know, the time that I have.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, and
1: my lat- son loves lat- lat- her, her, her story. By the way. Oh, so cool. My son is almost 30, so it's not like, you know, a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, her, st- her. I really do recommend her story to almost anybody, and that's also available on. Uh, it's on iOS, it's on your iPad. I think it's fun to play it on on something where you have a keyboard because you you do get that tactic. Like the whole game, you're sitting at a computer. The game, you're looking at a PC screen, so it's something very thematic if you're actually playing it on a you know computer or a laptop because you really are. You know, the game is 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 a computer and right. and pulling up pulling up video clips. Right. Um. Really puts you in the mood when you're at a computer. All right, my last one is uh, the most popular deck builder video game of all time. Um, <laughs> this is Slay the Spire. Not a, you know, there, there's nothing that needs to be said about Slay the Spire in the board game world. This is the best example I think we have of uh, of a board game mechanic becoming a monster hit video game. You know, they took Donald Vaccarino's. Uh, deck building mechanic that he invented in dominion and they turned it into a rogue like deck builder called slay the spire and it is a flawless gem it's a masterpiece a 10 out of 10 um it's available on anything you can possibly imagine playing a video game on at this point um i will say if you have already played slay the spire which you very well may have and you're looking for something similar but that does it in a completely different way. I have fallen in love with monster train, uh, which I believe is only available for PC. Um, But monster train takes the exact same idea as slay the spire and kind of mixes it with darkest dungeon in that you are, you're, you're playing the cards and they're creating um, a row of characters. And uh, those characters are sort of defending your base or your train Um, and the order that you put them out and the abilities they have. It's a really interesting sort of mix between Darkest Dungeon and Slay the Spire. So if you've put hundreds of hours into Slay the Spire, like so many of us have, and you're looking for a deck builder that does something totally different, but is equally interesting, I I really think you should check out Monster Train. Jennifer, what are your thoughts on Slay the Spire?
1: Well, as I was mentioning to you, it's actually inspired by a game called Dream Quest. Right. And... I happen to like Dreamcast better, but again, DreamCrust is much simpler. has very kind of plain, maybe even ugly graphics, but it does basically the same thing. And um, I played Slay the Spire. I get frustrated because I can never get you know past the boss, and so those kind of games eventually wear me down. You know, so I kind of that's why I kind of stick with my little base builders because i don't get frustrated i can just keep building more
0: <laughs> yeah there's something wrong with me i like that frustration i really i like a game that goes like you suck at this game no and no there's nothing no, I wrong don't.
1: with you but you aren't 63 years old that's the-
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair fair um so yeah that was our uh recommendations for um video games for people who enjoy euros and um I, I'm so glad that I got yours, Jennifer. I've added them all to my wish list. And I'm going to try them all. And hopefully people listening have found some cool options to try as well. I um, I,
1: I, I hope so. Um, you know, the only thing about the ones that I did, the uh, multiplayer and them um, takes a long time. Is Slate the Spire co-op?
0: No, single player only.
1: It's only a single player. OK.
0: Yeah, but they, they have daily challenges which are really fun that um, sort of add to the longevity of the game after you've sort of explored most of it. Um, their cha- their daily sort of challenges are fun, and okay. I, I know a keep right. the game get, keep the game interesting. It's a fun you know check in every morning, do your daily, come back. Um, well, do we uh, we're closing in on two hours, but would you, you want to do one or two uh, Somalier questions? Sure. All right, here we go. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go. Which to play with Mama, Madame, my, mom, my, dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. With my 50th play of a Grigola. a million games. Show me the way to the master, the game Somalia <laughs> Right. Well, this first Somalia question isn't a question as much as uh, well. I'm going to say a slight criticism that I thought I I have no problem addressing on the podcast. So let's get into it. Uh, This is from Jan. I won't say your last name in case you didn't want me to. Uh, I really love the show and I'm looking forward to it every Monday. But the last couple of episodes left a sour taste in my mouth, and I just felt like sharing it. I don't know how you guys like to be treated, but shaming is something I experienced a lot for being a geek or a nerd, as they say. And I'm happy to keep this out of my life. So, hearing you shaming each other constantly for this or that, and that Elder hasn't played Age of Steam, felt really toxic, and that's not what I'm looking for in a show about games. I listen to podcasts about my hobbies to relax and get away from real life and not to feel uncomfortable. Obviously, it is your show, and I don't want to say anything on how to make it, but I might stop listening at one point, since gatekeeping and toxicity is something I try to overcome, but that would feel very sad. That's why I'm reaching out. Anyway, I love the show and the crew. Thank you, Matt and Tom especially. Greetings from Berlin. Chow Jan. Well, Jan, 100% I agree with you that gatekeeping and toxicity in this hobby is a major problem and something that we strive very hard to not do. And I'm glad to have it pointed out when it feels like it's happening. I will say that uh, we also have a slightly unusual thing in that a lot of us have known each other for 10, 15, 20 years. A lot of us are very old friends. And I think sometimes the way old friends can be, especially particularly these old friends, we can be mean to each other <laughs> because we love each other. And because we have six senses of humor and we like to be slightly rude to each other. Um, and that is something we should recognize doesn't always read on the podcast. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out and it's something that I think we all can be a little more aware of and just, you know, Hey, People might not necessarily know when we're joking and it can come across as, as shaming. And um, yeah, that's on us to uh, make sure our audience is aware of. And, you know, as, as old friends do who have known each other forever, often, what can seem, you know, rude. I, I always remember going over to a friend's house and the way they'd speak to their parents. I'd be like, oh my God, how, what is wrong with you? Do you hate each other? And then, you know, somebody does it to you the way you speak to your parents, and you go, what are you, no, we don't, which is how we talk to each other. Um, right. No, so, I, you know,
1: I, I have to agree with, with Jan. As you know, we had a discussion about that very thing about that there's too much in joking that may not be understood by the public. Yeah. So, you know, just hang in there because I'm working on them. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is. And, and, and I thank you for reaching out and I, and I hope you do continue to listen and, um, thank you for pointing that out. And we, yes, we, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, our intentions are clear to our audience. Um, all right. Last one here. Uh, Okay. So, hey, guys, I'm looking for a good game to bring to the hospital, a two-player game with a light, airy theme, no war games, that can stand being replayed multiple times over the course of a week or so. Thank you. Jennifer, any, any ideas yeah. that might work well in a hospital?
1: Yeah, the standard answer for those kinds of games is Hive, right?
0: Yes. Actually, Tell us about Hive for people who might not know.
1: Okay, it's man, it's been a million years, because fortunately I haven't had to visit a hospital lately. But it's basically an abstract. Um, And it has large tiles with very clear symbols. So it's, again, accessible in the sense of if you can't see well or you're in the hospital and, and you know, you don't have the glasses or, or whatever. It plays in about 15 minutes, 15 to half an hour maybe the rules are um you know straightforward and um it comes in all kinds of forms too i know it comes you can get it in the bag or in the box or you know different ways but yeah my answer for that is always high
0: yeah, that's great. I I, I I enjoy Hive and it's fun. You can play it almost anywhere. Um, another game I'd recommend is Lost Cities. I think that's a really fun two-player game that you really just need a little deck of cards, um, and uh, yeah, you're uh, you're sort of it's the Reiner Knizia and you're laying cards on a board and sort of trying to 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 beat each other's cards. Another game that's similar to it that came out last year was Air, Land, and Sea. I think that could, well, you, you said no war games, so that doesn't work, but uh but the the mechanics of it are would work quite well in a hospital. Um and then yeah, if you have a little more space maybe and you want something uh a little bit bigger. Um well, yeah, I don't know. I was gonna say Castles of Burgundy, but that, that sure takes that's up a lot of space. Too, Probably not.
1: That's too big. Um, yeah. If you'll give me a second, let me go look at at my small box games. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Oh well. Yeah. Watergate could potentially work as well. It doesn't take up too much space. Um, I don't know if that would constitute a war game, um, but it's a political um, game.
1: Quix, the card game. Q W I X X. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll right, work. Yeah. It's fun too. <laughs> Yeah, that helps. Um, yeah, so hopefully there's some few uh, a few recommendations there, and um, I'll just say I hope everything is all right, and that uh, whatever brings you to the hospital uh, doesn't keep you there for too long. Um, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on today and teaching me about 18XX and uh, talking to me about video games. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I I thank both you and Tom. For having me. I, I really appreciate being on. I hope people um, enjoy what I bring to the to the the podcast. You know, I enjoy being part of Game Brain and I you know, one day hopefully we'll get our face to face group back.
0: I know. I do I do not see know, you full, in person.
1: Full on gay um, game nights. I can't wait for that
0: time. Me too. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And we're honored to have you on the show. And, and uh, you are such a joy to talk to and, and uh, talk to about games as well. So thank you for that. All righty, guys. Tom will be back next week uh, with round two, uh, round nine, turn two. I'm not sure who the guest is, but that's sort of the fun of uh, splitting this up week by week. You never know what you're going to get. That is the end of the episode. You have been listening to Game Brand, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. You might know him as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Uh, Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games. Bye, everybody.